only way I believe that a person can make money on Amazon is to own the supply of a product and understand the demand of a product. Very simple. If I believe that, you know, the world will buy 10,000 of these on Amazon and I know there's only 10,000 out there and I can get them all, then I can determine that I will make a profit on that item. I can control the price of the item, you know, now if there's only 5,000 out there and the demand's 10,000, well, that's even a better situation because now I know that going up on the price is a Welcome to the Duex e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast growing seven and eight figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. Hi guys, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. This is a really exciting um, episode because I will be talking to Justin Legary. He's an Amazon seller trading by the name of Yagazoon on Amazon. In 2014, Yagazoon's revenue was $38 million. This is pretty much the biggest Amazon seller by revenue that's come on 2X e-commerce um, to date. And also in 2015, he set up a manufacturing firm due to the fact that, um, you know, um, he, he fast realized that he needed to own the supply chain on Amazon and he still generated about $38 million in revenue in 2015. Um, what strikes me is that he started his business in the early days of Amazon back in 2010 with a $50 loan from his dad. And he's managed to multiply the company, um, multiply that revenue end and end without any external funding. Um, he predominantly sells toys, costumes and kitchenware on Amazon in 2013. Inc. Magazine voted Yagazoon number one fastest growing company in the retail industry with revenues of $18.6 million. So that was like th three years in, pretty much from when he started. Um, Justin, you know, he is a straight talking, honest, say it as it is type of guy who is willing to share quite a lot. So if you're like um, really interested in, in Amazon, you know, in operating on Amazon, he, 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 he kind of tells us what's worked, you know, in the past and what's not, what's working now, what's not working any longer. He's, he, he was really, really open in this interview. So just listen attentively to everything he, he says. He, he just shares some nuggets from, from, from where he's at. He's operating at a level, you know, right up there and, it's quite interesting that he doesn't have that many gizmos, you know, that many gadgets. He 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 understands business, which is which is quite interesting. Um, he's is down to maintaining relationships with suppliers, and you know, understanding demand, and he brings it all together. And he has a thick skin, you know, with regards to understanding what his losses are. It, it is an overall really really interesting. Um, you know, um, episode. So just stay tuned. Um, listen to the commercial after this. Uh, right after the commercial, there's um, the you'd, you'd hear about you hear um, my interview with with Justin. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. Bye. 
as an online retailer or supplier, you're well aware that accurate product content drives more sales. However, as your store starts to scale, the harsh reality is that maintaining product description content becomes more and more of a challenge to e-commerce teams. This is a problem Salsify solves. Salsify is a SaaS-based product content management platform built specifically for online retailers and brand owners. I recently took Salsify on a test drive, and here are the glaring advantages e-tailers stand to gain. First, your entire product catalog can be accessed by any department in a centralized hub. Then there's a workflow setup that ensures no fields go amiss when product data is published to multiple channels such as Amazon, your Google Merchants account, or just directly to your e-commerce store. Salsify tells you when it spots missing critical data across your product catalog. It's a flexible and robust product management platform. I recommend if your store and brand products catalog changes often and if you publish to numerous channels. As a 2x e-commerce listener, you can get to trial Salsify for free at salsify.com forward slash 2x. That is S-A-L-S-I-F-Y dot com forward slash 2x. I'll leave more details and a link on this episode show notes. I'd like to welcome to the show, Justin Legary. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you, Finley. Fantastic. Um, could you take um, a minute or two to kind of introduce yourself and um, you know let our listeners know better, just let them get to know about you a bit more? Sure. My name is uh, Justin Legere, and um, I uh, own and operate two companies here in Arizona, Yaguzon Inc. and Kangaroo Manufacturing. And, you know, my story is, you know, on the Internet, but I, I, I got to a point in life where I didn't have anything going for me, didn't have any money. And I started uh, Yaguzon with a $50 loan from my father. And um, at that time, Amazon was just going through a lot of changes and uh, their new FBA program, which started a couple of years ago, um, was just starting to get, um, you know, attention. And I got in just at the right time and, uh, you know, basically began just selling on Amazon things that I found at local garage sales and flea markets. And um, it was a slow start. I mean, I, I that $40 that I, I took from the $50 my father lent me, I mean, I only did $200 on Amazon.com in a two-week period. But I um, I learned everything I needed to know about Amazon over the next three months, and that's kind of how my corporations exist today. That was the beginning stages, you know? Okay, let's let's backtrack to, to some dates here. So you had $50 in your pocket, so loan from your dad. And um, so, so about what time time was this? Um, what this year? Was, yeah, this was 2010, and it was in early November. Okay, okay. And then three months on, so, so, the, so the winter of, um, of 2010 and 11, um, you learned Amazon quite rapidly. Correct. And I had done my own business. I had tried. I had a website for the October previously and in that in that previous month my father had loaned me over ten thousand dollars which at that time i couldn't pay him back on um, the website only did 20 grand all of october and had more debt it had no cash at the end of it and it was more of a can't beat them join them mentality amazon was obviously the first at every search engine and um i just had a couple boxes of i mean a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff left over and um Along with that, I I uh, needed to find inventory, so I I went to just 
we didn't have any vendor accounts or anything at mm-hmm. the time. So I, I basically started in the garage sale Salvation Army route. So wow. the way November worked was it was all garage sales. That's it. And then I found, um, and just to bring you up until January of 2011, I had found when I got enough enough money together because uh, my first Amazon drop was 200 my second was 500 and my third was $1,500. When I got enough money together, I went and bought um, – uh, the leftover books at an old bookstore in Virginia. I actually found it on Craigslist mm-hmm. and there were thousands and thousands of new books. And at that time I didn't even have the budget for a scanner. <laughs> I remember typing in the UPC codes on, on uh, 10 million books individually. Mm-hmm. And what happened was one of the things that I found in the bookstore was a, a set of greeting cards that a Colorado company made. So I actually called the Colorado company and this must have been in either December or January, probably December of uh, that year, pretending I was a bookstore. I'd never bought from a vendor before, so I don't know, would they sell to me? I don't even know. So I said, yeah, I'm a bookstore, and uh, we saw your cards, and they're wonderful, and uh, we sold them out, and uh, you know, customers want more. And they, and they opened an account with me, and I you know, bought from them. And I bought from them so much over a couple of weeks that they actually gave me my first line of credit. And I didn't even know what that was at the time. And uh, kind of, that's kind of how it started. And then I started to find other vendors, you know? Okay. Okay. So, so just to clarify, Yakuzon is a toy company. You, you retail only toys on Amazon or have you diversified? Um, I am in other categories. Um, just to give you the overview. Yeah. We're mainly in a toy category and we do a lot of toys, but we're, we're the largest internet retailer of Halloween costumes in the world and okay. Halloween related stuff. We also I'm pretty heavy in kitchen, you know, and I have no preference. I mean, a lot, a lot of makeup and beauty. I mean, as long as something it fits a working model, I don't have any, any categories I won't be in. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Um, so, so, um, so, so, so in, the spring of say 2011 when you'd realized that okay you know three months in amazon is actually you know a potential channel for for running your business did you seek any finance to 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 pump into to to amazon no i wasn't able to at that point i wasn't able to raise any capital um in fact i mean the best that i was able to do was i remember (laughs) I, in June, I think I borrowed $2,000 for a week for like 2200 or something from an old friend. And then in, um, later in that, um, uh, that, that year in like October, I, I might've borrowed $5,000 or something and then paid back like six or something, something stupid, but like initial from a, another friend, but I didn't know anybody I could borrow from at that time. Um, so it was all basically reinvesting the profits you know, um, once or twice, like on a Friday when I was being paid on Monday, my dad would lend me like a few hundred dollars and I would mm-hmm. give it back to him on Monday so I could mm-hmm. buy printer ink or something. So it was just hand to mouth, you know, it's just hand to hand combat really. And, um, you poured everything back. So what was your stock turnover, turnover like? And, um, how did you know what products, um, will sell? Cause you know, some sellers listening have, um, their, you know, have products or inventory, um, yes. that's not been sold for, for months. And they're wondering, you know, how do you not make that mistake in the first place? That's a great question. In fact, I wanted to say that the answer in 2011 is a different answer than 2016. Amazon is changing rapidly and the model on Amazon is changing rapidly and being able to mend 
with the way the website goes and find how you can truly be profitable on the site is a very, very important part of the process. The things that I did in 2011 to make money made a killing and they wouldn't make anything right now. Mm. However, that does not change the original thesis point of the question, which is demand, right? So, um, as far as making money is a completely different topic than generating revenue and selling through a product, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So if the, if the seller is not holding on to, I have to make money on this, but I just want to get rid of this product, the best way to make sure they never buy anything um, that they can't sell is to buy for the demand. Mm. And it's pretty easy. I mean, I wish it was like some rocket science secret, but everybody listening, I'm sure, knows that Amazon lists the reviews and the sales rank at the bottom of every page. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to read that those two numbers correctly, you can generate a concept of what the demand is for a specific item. That's never going to tell you if that item's profitable. It's never going to give you any supply information, but it will answer the demand question. Okay. And you don't ever buy anything on Amazon without demand unless you're creating it yourself and you're some exclusive so, contractor with so a vendor. Do, do you have any hard and fast rules for, say, the seller rank? Um, obviously, reviews are reviews. You know, if you see hundreds of reviews, then you know there's some, you know, there's traction there. But what about the seller rank? Do you do you use both metrics or would you just go by one? I mean, I think the sales rank and the reviews together mm-hmm. answer the question. I mean, because if you just have the reviews, they could have happened years ago when something was hot, mm-hmm. right? They're always going to stay. If you just have the sales rank, it could have been a rush. It could have been a Shark Tank episode that aired last night, and then that sales rank is going to go down. It could be a, an Easter product after Easter, which is just still looking at the rank or the rank. I have Halloween products that rank 50,000 now because they're still coming down from being in the top 100 during Halloween. So you might say, oh, 50,000, it's not so bad. I can sell a few a week, but really it's not a true 50,000 rank. So there's a combination of using common sense and saying, okay, is this seasonal? Did this just air on ABC last night? And by seeing the reviews along with it, mm-hmm. so I'll give you an example. If I see an item that's a top 100 product, with no reviews or two reviews, I'm going to question if that's just some new thing that just took off was on as seen on TV. Mm-hmm. But if I see a product that's a 75 in toys and games, for example, and it has 450 reviews, I know that's a safe bet. I know there's a mm-hmm. ton of demand for that item, right? So because of that, I know I can move just, you know, if I, if it was just me alone, you know, 50,000 plus pieces, a hundred thousand pieces, right? I know there's other sellers and there's Amazon, Profit's mm-hmm. a whole different question, but at least I understand that there's never going to be an issue selling the item, right? Okay, okay, okay. And um, what, what's your criteria per category? Would you say the top one thousand is is that what you is that what you go by um, from a sales rank standpoint? No, I mean now it's different. I mean I, I think back then, if I'm going back a couple of years, my criteria was as long as I met with supply the demand. So before I had my new model, which I'll tell you later, is a hundred percent different. I don't believe in this model anymore, but the old model was very simply. If it's a thousand rank, I'm going to buy this many. Mm. That doesn't mean I can't buy a thirty-five thousand rank. It's just that it's less stable, right? Thirty-five thousand could be seventy-five thousand tomorrow. I'm going to buy less, you know. So if I'm just buying for ninety days, you know, I may buy a few thousand of that thousand rank, but I may only buy, you know, a hundred of that thirty-five thousand mm. rank or, or forty thousand rank, right? Mm. Okay. Um. So so Yakuzun between twenty eleven when you started. And um, 2014 grew by close to 17,000 percent. 
Well, that's what Inc. said, but they were only going through 2012, right? And they, unfortunately, they only start you with your first hundred grand. So they won't start me with $40. If they started me with $40, I grew like 39 trillion percent. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I know. I, I do get you. So you hit $22 million in less than four years. Right. In three years. I pretty did, much. Here, I'll just give you the quick numbers. It was like four and a half my first year, 2011. It was 18 my second year in 2012. Uh, my third year was 21, 22, like you just said. 2014, I did 38. Right. In 2015, uh, I'm a whole new model and I did roughly the same between two companies, but it's um, a completely, I'm going a completely new direction, not a revenue increasing direction, but a pure profit direction. So it's, um, I'm on a we'll talk completely different it. plan. We'll definitely yeah. talk about it. But before we, we talk about revenue, um, I've been meaning to ask you this question. Um, how did you, It's it's got to do, it's not got to do with business. It's just got to do with mindset. How did you switch from a consumer mindset, which is pretty much getting the job, going for your job, you know, getting your salary and spending to a producer mindset, which is more like this entrepreneurial mindset that you need to, to make it happen? Yeah, I don't know that I, I, I switched. I mean, I think what happened was there was a switch, but it wasn't from consumer to entrepreneurial mindset. Mm. The switch was from entrepreneur, failing entrepreneur, mm. not following the principles of the universe to successful entrepreneur following the principles of the universe. I, I, I was never able to hold a job past age 20 years old. I mean, I had a hundred jobs between 16 and 20 and I was let go from everyone. You know, I mean, I, I remember as a kid, you know, them calling temporary labor agencies saying we weren't looking for a CEO, just someone to screw caps on a bottle, you know? And um, so I, I always had the entrepreneurial mindset, um, just out of place, you know? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, so, so the, the aha moment really was the, was, was an amp, those testing periods over the winter of 2010 and 2011. Yeah, I did have an aha, aha moment with my own personal life. I had, just kept them. I guess what happened was this is I, I was always able to make money fast, you know, but I never had any money. And the reason uh, earlier that year, I uh, had sold fireworks out of the trunk of my car and I had done $150,000 in a few weeks in sales, you know, out of the trunk of my car in a little storage facility in uh, Massachusetts and Rhode Island, right? Cause they were just legalizing certain fireworks in New England that year. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I made about 40 grand in two weeks, you know, at that time that, that seemed like a real lot of money to me. And, um, you know, but then I just blew it, you know, playing cards or gambling or whatever partying. And, um, and I always did that. And, and I had millions of times in my life gone from zero to that kind of 30 to $40,000 number. Um, so many times. But then at that point, it was like that was the point where I was going to do something really crazy and destructive. So I, I, knew, I knew I had a self-destructive pattern. And it was actually at a casino in South Florida one day where I, you know, just kind of almost had this out-of-body experience looking at myself at an ATM trying to play more poker. And I stopped myself and I said, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm 32 years old and I'm, you know, for 
you know, the best way to say it is a loser, really. I mean, at 32 years old, I, I, I don't have my own place. I live at my dad's. I owe him rent. I don't have any money. Um, I have no one else I can borrow from, and I just need to stop being destructive. So I kind of made an internal decision to not stop at that latter point of thirty or $40,000 and say, what would happen if I kept going? If I took the same model that I have of being a hustler and, and going for it, but I didn't then destroy myself when I got to the first step. Hmm. You know, and then that's kind of where it was like, oh, wow. Okay. And how, you know, far, could be how far was this from, from um, winter of 2011? Um, well, the winter of 2011 is a year after that point because I started in 2010 and that was the, you know, the, the moment. 2010, sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. That, that's interesting. I just wanted to clarify that before we moved on to, to, to the actual tactics of, um, of, of Amazon. So, so let's, um, moving to talk about, um, selling on, on Amazon and, um, moving inventory on Amazon. Uh, for, for me, or from, from what I've gathered with all the Amazon entrepreneurs that come on the show, it's it's all about speed. Um, you know, you, you get products in, in the warehouse and um, there's there's got to be that demand that takes them out of the warehouse and then you replenish. Um, what are your sort of key components for efficiently moving, you know, products quickly in Amazon? Well, I have a different belief than everybody else, but I'm always a, a many steps ahead, you know, so they, you know, I mean, I just saw some of the biggest sellers on Amazon at a trade show, not me personally, but my people at my company that are selling our product and they're all complaining, some of the mega sellers, you know, and they're just like, you know, they don't know what to do anymore because the times are changing right now. So if we're going to talk about Amazon as of today, a lot has changed. So over the last three to four years, um, vendors and manufacturers of product have become increasingly more interested in trying to tackle what they consider to be a problem in their business model, which is Amazon. So, so over the last three years, um, three to four years, you said vendors have been complaining. Yeah, no, um, I was just saying that, you know, over the last three or four years, you know, vendors have been trying to get in on and figure this whole thing out. They have issues with, you know, they want to control their brand. They want to control the price. You know, they might sell to one seller and another seller complains because another seller dropped the price. And they're trying to get a handle on it. They're, they're starting maps. They're doing exclusive deals. They're saying no more Amazon sellers are selling just to Amazon. You're know, trying to sell it themselves. They're all reacting differently to something that they can't control or contain. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's changing the marketplace. In the beginning, 2011, you go to a show and I sell on Amazon. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting model. You sell on Amazon. You know, it's like the bookstore. Oh, yeah, yeah, they have other stuff too. Oh, yeah, I do that. I, I actually bought something off Amazon. Now everybody in the world has a Prime account. Everybody clicks one click from their phone. And some people get it an hour later. You know, I don't know if it's a drone or a helicopter, but they're getting it, you know. And so it's, it's a different world. Amazon is now, you know, um, is, is the source uh, on the entire internet. It used to be one in 10 products were sold on Amazon. I think now it's like one in two. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm. You know, it is the internet for retail. It's 10 times bigger search engine than Google for products. Mm. So now that everything's changing, everybody's trying to figure out how they can control the uncontrollable beast, right? Mm -hmm. So the model of selling on Amazon and making Amazon profitable has entirely changed from when I started to now. Mm. Okay. And um, so, so what has it changed to? So, so, well, to, to rephrase my question, um, how do you adapt 
to to these changes as a seller? How how has how well you didn't have to you just I I, have a, I started a new company I'm doing something completely differently I hardly buy products from vendors anymore whatsoever you know. Um, the, I mean, before there were less sellers, there were not a lot of people that knew about FBA selling. Mm-hmm. So you find a product, you know, it, there's demand for the product and Amazon doesn't sell that product, right? Cause you don't want to sell stuff they sell. So then what happens is, is okay. You know, you're selling that product, you're making money. Maybe somebody else shows up and it takes you a little bit longer to sell out, but you both kind of stay at the same price. And, and, um, there you are, you have all your SKUs and if a SKU, you know, gets dogged at some point, then, you know, at some point you'll, 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 you'll leave that SKU alone, you know, mm-hmm. but then that happens more and more that a SKU gets dogged and then it happens to almost every one of your SKUs. And then you're like, Oh, wait a second. You know what I mean? So now you're trying to stay ahead of that curve, mm-hmm. right? Cause something that happened once in a while is now happening all the time. And it used to be, you have, you know, seven wins and three losses, but the wins are bigger than the losses and the percentage was higher. So you made money. Now it's, you have nine losses and one win. And it's like, mm, what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know? So everything's changing. And Amazon also is copying too and looking at what what a seller is successful with and picking up every line in the world and their purchases are going out saying, oh, you don't need third-party sellers, you just need us, we're better for you. And the vendors go, oh, thank God, you know, big Amazon came along and fixed it all for us. They're just going to buy for us, so we'll just cut off all the sellers. And then there's no loyalty or no good vendor relationships anymore. So what happens is, is, you know, your model is changing. So it's not like a normal company that does zero dollars and then goes to 10 million and the next year goes from 10 to 50 and then from 50 to 100, every year you're starting back at zero, just with a little bit of inventory, so you're a little bit above zero to recreate those SKUs again. That's if you're me, you know what I mean? You're recreating new things that'll work this year. Okay, okay. So it sounds to me like you're transitioning from a merchandise of other brands to to your own, to owning your own brand. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a part of it. it. It really comes down to one thing. There's, I mean, there's product that's great in 20. You know, 13, I make a fortune on it, and then in 2014, I don't touch because now it's back in supply. It comes back to one thing. The only way I believe that a person can make money on Amazon is to own the supply of a product and understand the demand of a product. Very simple. If I believe that, you know, the world will buy 10,000 of these on Amazon, and I know there's only 10,000 out there and I can get them all, then I can determine that I will make a profit on that item. I can control the price of the item, you know. Now, if there's only 5,000 out there and the demand's 10,000, well, that's even a better situation because now I know that going up on the price is going to affect that demand. If it was 10 and 10, it may take me just a little bit longer, right, to, get, to, to complete that cycle. But if it's 5 to 10, now I know I can go maybe even double my prices at one point, right? Yeah. It, it begs the question, how do you figure a 5 to 10? Well, you just have to understand demand. You have to really understand how you view those pages and sales ranks. And it's, it's, it's only within a, it's not like a, a concrete thing. It's within a time. Like I'll give you an example. If I guess that, you know, 10,000 pieces will sell for Christmas and I'm wrong and it was only eight. Well, it's not like I'm in a bad situation because I'll probably sell those in January, you know, or February. And if I, if I believe it's 10 and it's 13, well, that's not really that bad either. Cause I just kind of raise my price up and make more money on what I have and I sell out early. So neither of them are like, you know, are, are losing propositions, you know, it's just, I mean, you can't be perfect, but you can be near perfect by understanding, you know, what the demand is, you know, so that's the, that's really the first job of an Amazon person who's not going to have their own brand that's going to buy from vendors is making sure that there is no question whatsoever in their understanding of demand on the website. Okay. So the, so the intuition you 
is 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 the demand understanding demand based on in, intuition and experience you know just got feeling and experience i mean yes it, i think those are those are important things. I mean, intuition and feeling and, you know, I have one customer that she always, you know, asks the universe and she gets an answer in her body. I mean, you can do that. But the other thing is, is you can also just look at the detail page, you know, I mean, Amazon's going to tell you how much demand is on a simple product, you know? I mean, I just know that that top hundred is just insane demand. That demand on that top hundred is more than most people that are in this business can even afford to you know, buy if that's the only thing they did. And then that demand, you know, in that top thousand is still just unbelievable. And that demand in that top 20,000 is really a, a nice turnover, you know, mm -hmm. um, if you're not sharing with a lot of people. So th there's, there's a, a ton of demand on the website and just being able to understand, you know, understand it is, is really important. Okay. So, so that's understanding. Um, are there any sort of tools here that, that help you, you know, make decisions on 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 demand and and then product selection i mean it's just a page that's it i mean there's no special tool other than looking at you know i mean you can look at things like um, camel camel i disagree because it, it, it's not a relevant thing of what happened last year what's going to happen this year i think you look at the current detail page and if you want be patient look at it in two weeks and see if anything happened i remember once when i first started i used to put my price in my merchant SKU, and i accidentally put the price i bought it for as the price to the customer and it was a remote control helicopter and the rank went down from 5,000 to 900 and I sold out of the helicopter in a day. Now, if I were an Amazon seller looking at that page for the first time, mm. I might think the demand is for a 900 rank, not a 5,000 rank. And I might overbuy it, not realizing that somebody just sold out at cost. Mm. Right, driving that product down. So that's why, I mean, if you want, if you're new to the, the selling on Amazon, you might want to look at a product page and then come back in a week or two and see if you have the same feeling. Like just yesterday, a guy tried to sell me $150,000 worth of these Rubbermaid vacuums and they're going for 250 bucks. And I said, okay, well, I'll look at it and I'll call you back in a few days. Today, that same product is going for $165, you know? So now I wrote him a letter and I'm like, you know what? I said, it's not as exciting as it was on Monday, you know? And he's like, oh, I told you. I, you know, he's trying to sell me. I sold him to only 500 of them out there at Amazon. So I was like, yeah, that's what you say. But, you know what I mean? I'll look at it in three more days and tell you what I think, you know? And um, so, you know, that's my best recommendation to a newbie would be to not just act instantly on your, your, your answer to the demand, but, you know, come back, you know, and look at it. You know, you can see things that have been there forever. You know, there's things that are in the top hundred that have been on in the top hundred for four or five years. Now that's true demand, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. What about, um, so, so how many skis do you currently sort of manage at the moment on Amazon? trying to reduce my SKUs, but during hol see, I mean, I'm a seasonal, you know, SKU count. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's been times where I've had, you know, I'm not, not nearly as much as some of these other sellers that buy small amounts of inventory. I'm a deep, not wide type of guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, during Halloween and stuff, I might be as much as, you know, five to 8,000 SKUs. Whereas now I might be just operating just around a thousand SKUs, right? Mm -hmm. So now I'm in this like restructuring period. My goal is to reduce my SKU count. To, to virtually 250. I mean, literally, yeah, I'm not trying to expand my SKU count. I'm trying to reduce my, my SKU count to absolute money, insane money makers that have a hundred percent guaranteed, you know, profit at insane profits, um, uh, through a model that I, I've decided, you know, 
to start at the beginning of 2014. And that was to start my own company, manufacture my own products. I was so sick of, oh, I can only say yes to those great deals that happen when they come down. I get antsy because, you know, I only get so many calls a year that are just gold. So I go for some silver and then some bronze and then some, you know, just heavy metals, you know, <laughs> it's to the point where it's like, I, you know, there's, and then you get those losses, you know, mixed in with your business. So I'm totally redoing, you know, my entire model for the future on Amazon, for the direction that Amazon's going. Okay. We're going to talk about your new company shortly, but prior to that, um, prior to our interview, actually, I was on your Amazon store. Um, it was over the holidays and wow. Um, all the products I, I came across, you own the buy box. And in many instances, um, you, you, you were, you know, you, you beat Amazon to the, to, to, to the buy box. How do you do that? Um, how do you also maintain a hundred percent seller rating? Um, it's just 100% given the volume of sales coming through your store. Okay, well, that's that's a great question. Okay, so there's there's two questions there. As far as the buy box goes, I mean, it may be, you know, it's not necessarily uh, a good thing or a bad thing that I'm in the buy box all the time. I mean, if I'm in the buy box all the time, my competitive products, it might mean I'm losing money and I'm dumping inventory. You know what I mean? Okay. I um, To beat Amazon, when I'm beating Amazon out of the buy box, I'm probably not really making that much money usually. I mean, there are times I am, but um, but I have a model that I have to sell out of everything. You know, I have to move that stuff. So if I had bought a product not being aware that there's, you know, five other people that copied me, when those guys copied me, I'm willing to take the loss to just kind of teach them a lesson like, bad boy, don't copy me anymore. You know, some really big sellers, too, are using my storefront as a way to get into new industries now. I mean, they're literally copying across the board. Like, there's this huge seller that I noticed, you know, and he's got, like, he's been on since the beginning, 10 years longer than me, and he does, like, you know, millions the feedbacks and he's basically he started to copy my Halloween and then copy like one skew in electronics and one skew like I mean it's literally like hand selected copying my my skews right mm -hmm. so going in the buy box just simply means that I'm you know I'm making the sales but doesn't mean I'm making money that's very easy I mean that's just price dependent if you beat any seller that changes by the way Four years ago, if you beat a seller by five cents, you were never getting the buy box over them. Nowadays, you beat a seller by a penny, you get way more buy box rotation than them. So Amazon's changing their logarithms constantly, mm. right? So that's only that's basically a price issue. Mm. So if you want the buy box, you just got to be less than the other guy. It's that simple. Unless that other guy is not an FBA seller, then you have a lot of leeway there, you know? Right, right, right. And what about the seller rating, the 100% given the volume? Well, I mean, you know, we we do get, you know, angry customers. Amazon has developed a um, a uh, breeding ground for very, very content, you know, people that are very high maintenance and, you know, think the world should you know, just revolve around them. I, I, um, I've had, uh, uh, you know, customer service calls where, um, you know, somebody bought 18, you know, little novelties for a dollar and all 17 of those little novelties worked really good. And one of them only worked for four hours. And I was wondering what we can do for it then. And I remember my customer service manager said once, you know, he told his associate to, to say, do you not think you got a good value for a dollar? You know, it's like they are um, <laughs> very entitled. Amazon has created them into this, buy it, use it, return it, return the open box. Um, once I didn't get something from Amazon, you know, um, you know, on time, and I called up just one, 
just trying to track it and they offered me a refund on my whole order and I said, no, 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 I'm sure it'll show up, just maybe you refund the overnight shipping and they was like, no, no, here you go, here's your money back, you know what I mean? Like, instantly don't care because it belongs to another seller, right? Right. Okay. So, they've created this entitlement philosophy so it's very hard to, so all we basically do is there's a feedback policy and Sellers are not allowed to leave product reviews and feedback, and they're not allowed to talk about shipping stuff. So if we didn't actually get those removed, we'd probably have about 99. For years, I had a 99% feedback, and then I actually started putting more energy into getting those removed, the ones that talked about shipping and the ones that talked about okay. um, uh, you know, not liking the product. And Amazon, that's just their policy. They'll take those off. Okay, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, so... So two sides of the business. Um, one's the merchandising. I suppose you have accounts with loads of um, manufacturers. And um, the other is your new company where you're manufacturing. Could you, so this is a double barrel question as usual, um, but could you, could you, um, could you sort of um, give listeners an idea of um, what your typical margins are on um, the buy side, so on the merchandising side, and um, kind of tell us, take us through um, the inception of, of this new company. Okay, well, my margins on the, the the side where I make my own product are just insane. I mean, they are. I mean, I have business reports where you know a PO cost me seven thousand dollars and the sales are like ninety four thousand comparable. I mean, it's ridiculously insane. I mean, they're 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 like, I mean. It's ridiculous. The margins on with the manufacturers, unless I'm getting a closeout, that I am aware that I truly have it all because I trust the vendor, and there are, are a couple good ones like that, really aren't so good. It's really a shot in the dark. I got very lucky once, um, you know, this this Christmas. Um, I bought the rest of the new Star Wars lightsaber when the movie came out. It was like 20,000 pieces. It made a killing on it. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on that skew because I was just like the last guy standing. But a lot of times when I'm buying from those vendors, you know, I'm not really getting them all or I'm not getting all the information or there's not enough demand to warrant me buying that many. So there's way more product than there is demand by the manufacturer and the margins are, are negative margins. You know what I mean? I'm buying it for $10 and selling it for five, you know? So that's why I've moved into wanting to manufacture because there's not enough offers in the world, right? Every year that can create the revenue, profitable revenue that I want. Right. But through manufacturing, I have a one year plan to be clearing $1 million a week in profit on Amazon. Okay. And that's because now there's no limit. I don't have to wait for Dave to call me and say he's got a new closeout or John to say, hey, are you interested? There's only a thousand left. We're not making this deal anymore. Now I just say, what does the world need? Where is there space on Amazon? Where is there a place to make an awesome product that what's being offered is really not that great, but there's a lot of search and there's a lot of demand, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I could see it really working well and like generic say kitchen home and kitchen items but how do you replicate that in toys um so you said you you had a fantastic deal with the lightsabers for star wars um you'd if you're going to create if you're going to make a, a manufacture a toy for for star wars you, you need licensing you know from disney yeah yeah so so are you going into licenses into licenses space um, i mean or? we we are approaching disney on one license but you know i understand that that's not really the i'll give you an example okay so the largest costume manufacturer in the world is ruby's costume company my company is called kangaroo manufacturing ruby's costume company has almost 60,000 SKUs. they are so big it's not even funny i mean they're 500 million dollar company right okay and during halloween my little company 
at the time only had 40-something SKUs, had more items in the top 100 of Amazon than Ruby's Costume Company. My simple little beret hat and top hat was outselling Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, you know? So there's more of a demand, believe it or not, for a generic item. That's not a licensed item, not a licensed item. The number one Halloween costume every year is a child's police officer. Outsells Spider-Man and Darth Vader four really? to one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So these items are popular and they add up and these licenses are great, but it's not needed to make money. Just seeing where there's demand and where people are searching for something, you can then, you know, you know, make this plenty, plenty business there. And then hundreds and hundreds of business, millions and billions of dollars. And when you, when you graduate that course, then you can go get a license or something, you know? Okay. So the, here's a challenge. Um, you, you manufacture, you know, goods, you put them up on Amazon. They have no zero sales history. how do you build from ground up again? Well, it's funny you say that because if you search for any product that my manufacturing company makes, it's mm. usually number one on Amazon if it needs to be. If I don't feel it needs to be, if I feel it's too general of a keyword, it may be number one on five keywords and it might be number three on a couple keywords. But I'm pretty much getting all the generic um, traffic for the, for the gen more, more generic items I make. Okay. And it starts you know, with the easiest thing in the entire world. I mean, there's a lot. It's like if I was going to tell you how to make my, my grandmother's an Italian and she makes these really, really great, great, great Italian meals. I moved to Arizona, so I haven't eaten anything she's made in a while. But when she makes a tomato sauce, there's like 7,000 steps, literally. Like it's a three-day process or you know, anything. I once her eggplant was like a 36-hour ordeal, you know. Oh. And there's so many steps. And, you know, so when you're, when, you're, when you're preparing a meal, there's all these steps. The very first thing might be she throws olive oil in the pan, right? Mm -hmm. The very first thing I do before anything is I make an awesome product better than the last guy. Mm -hmm. So if I'm making a hat, you know, I see what are the issues with it. Oh, the creases. Oh, the ribbon falls off, whatever. I'm going to make it better, right? I'm going to protect it. Like, I make all my hats come in a bag. I'm the only manufacturer that factory seals hats. Everybody else, they come loose, right? So when you when you um, open the, 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 the product, you touch, touch it with your hands. If your hands aren't washed immediately, there's a stain. A stain, you know, or Amazon doing it, right? So I think stage one, if I were going to teach you how to make this pizza, the very first thing, which would be, you know, kneading out the dough, would be make a great item. And I think the second thing that's most important is make a killer detail page. Most people make crappy detail pages on Amazon, mm -hmm. right? They just, you know, put it up. They put the minimal that they need to do. And um, uh, under the description, they put two or three words. They just want to get it up there quick. You know, sometimes it's like lowercase letters, poor punctuation in the product bullet points. You know, they try to put 8 trillion keywords in the title as if Amazon respects the title anymore. Why would Amazon ever create your logarithm that way? You think they want five-page titles? You know, I don't want to read War and Peace when I go to Amazon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's just stupid. So making a killer detail page is attractive, is important. I've never purchased a product with a 40-page title, but there's so many people that are learning this in these dumb Amazon courses or seminars that you should populate your title with 75,000 keywords, and it's absolutely absurd. Mm. 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 Okay, okay. So, so you, you, you get a really detailed product page, um, and do, do you think um, a lot of your products rank quite highly just due to your history as a, you know, um, as a heavyweight seller? 
Yeah, I do believe that you know now when you when you shop when you check out on Amazon, Amazon is always showing other products by the same seller. So it is mm-hmm. true by having a volume, you know what I mean. Your your products are going to appear in front of other people. Mm-hmm. You know, people have bought this, bought that, you know, whatever. But you know, so that is true. I remember a couple of years ago during Halloween, there was a 500 rank of an item, and the minute mine received, the rank went down to 50 because I was moving like five items a second during the day. So that was able to be advertised to other people, you know, so I agree with that, but I don't think that you need that. You know what I mean? I don't think that, you know, I think you can work to make a great selling product without that. I think that just increases it a little bit. Mm, velocity really. Okay. Um, you, I came across a YouTube video of yours and, um, you very happily, um, let us know that you, um, you had a $1 million you know, um, sale day. Could you use it? Yeah. Us I, back on, on, yeah. I've had a few of those, you know, um, now at this point, but, um, you know, there's enough demand on Amazon to have a hundred million dollar day. So it's there, you know? <laughs> well, 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 quite, quite interesting. Okay. So, um, now that you're shrinking your, your skew list from 1000, um, at the moment, which, which expands, you know, over your periods yeah. of Halloween and Christmas, um, to 250, what would be, what would the 250 items look like? Would they be toys or costumes? Well, it's not, okay. There, 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 there's some dress up, some toys, some kitchen. It's not that I'm shrinking, I'm shrinking it to get rid of the garbage and then I'm going to expand upon it. Right. So it's like if I were building a building, I'm knocking down the building that's there. Mm. Right. I'm just saving some of the marble and some of the, you know, Mm. some of the really nice materials. And then I'm going to build a new building and I want to build it to be the biggest skyscraper in the world. Mm. Maybe someday I'll have a hundred thousand skews. But the idea is, is I'm getting rid of what's not working and I want to control the situation. And the only way to have complete control over supply is if I own the brand, right? Mm-hmm. So that's important to me. Other way you can have complete control is your best friends with the, the manufacturer and he, he's best friends with the CEO and he's giving you accurate information and he's telling you the truth and he tells you, listen, buddy, this is everything, you know what I mean? So you don't have to deal with that other seller copying you. You don't have to deal with the price going down. If you can't control, you know, you know, a profitable situation. I'll give you an example. A major chain store can control their price, right? They they can set a price that, that has a profit already in that price. If you go to a store and you order anything, a restaurant, you order a pizza. The pizza costs us a dollar. We're going to sell it for eight ninety nine. They've controlled their model and put profit in the cost of their product. Amazon doesn't let you do that because you just don't know who's got it. You don't know who's getting it, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have that same ability you do when you're the master of your domain, when you own your own store. It doesn't matter if Target's cheaper or Walmart's cheaper once you're in Walmart or Target. It only matters if you're deciding which store to go to, right? Mm -hmm. So once you're inside the store, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? You're going to buy, you know, whatever, and you're going to go through the aisles and you're not going to price check everything at every other chain store in the world. Right. So in their model of business, stores have profit built in. Amazon sellers can't have profit built into their model unless they're willing to keep things on their shelves forever. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's essential. You, you, you have control of the supply chain really in your brand. So, there are many ways. You don't have to go into manufacturing tomorrow. I couldn't have done manufacturing without millions of dollars first. So I had to make millions first. I, I put in millions of my own money. I'm still loaning, 
you know, the rest of all my personal millions that I've made into this manufacturing company, right? And the reason is, is because it is a guaranteed outcome. But before I had that money, you know, I had to, you know, buy closeouts. I had to buy, you know, so there's different levels of business. So you're going to do it on a small level, you know, the, the, the most profitable money I ever made was the money on the first $700 I made on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Not very enticing to many people, but the fact is, is, you know, I, I had roughly, it was that same $40 responsible for that entire 700. You know, I turned it to 200 and then I turned that two to five, but it was all things I bought for a quarter that some of them would sell for $50, mm-hmm. you know, because it was, it was like a really nice new book and there were none left or, or what, or was a, you know, I remember there was an old VHS movie that, you know, there was, you know, was sealed still from like the seventies and somebody wanted it and I paid 10 cents and I sold it for $59 on Amazon. I mean, those margins were wonderful, right? But you can't control that either because you don't know that you're going to, you know, find this great collectible item at your next garage sale. Mm. So there's all these different levels of, of control. I think one of the best places is if you have great vendor relationships, find out what they have on the water, what they're manufacturing once you understand the demand and you can go into the market that way or you can buy closeouts. There's tons of great closeouts, but you have to know you know, what the, the position is like Mattel, for example, in the toy industry and Fisher price, these, these companies play the closeout game to screw everybody. I always like to use the example of the mortgage tobacco in the United States where the banks were selling off the toxic mortgages mm-hmm. while they were telling, you know, the rating agencies were keeping them at triple a. That's mm-hmm. what these, some of these giant companies do. They, they hold the inventory back. They let the price be really high on the internet and everywhere else. And then they dump them 25,000 to like 10 different people all at the same time and they push this trigger and then they watch the whole market crash, right? Mm-hmm. They love it and they're sitting there, you know, as Don Henley said, stabbing it with their steely knives but they still can't kill the beast. They're greedy pigs, right? <laughs> yeah. But, so you have to be careful of that as an Amazon seller that you don't become victim to that, you know? And be careful of the closeout guys. They're sharks and find the right people that you, you trust. Like I buy closeouts from a couple of toy companies directly from the national sales manager who truly tells me what's in the U.S., what's in Mexico, Go, what's in production that the that the brand is being discontinued to you know go in a new direction with the brand and, and that's important to be able to have those relationships. So it's not that you have to go into manufacturing tomorrow, but what you have to do is be able to understand two things on Amazon: supply and demand, and they both have to be working in your favor to make money. Mm-hmm. And for supply, it's really down to relationships, and you know just keep sticking your ears to the ground and making sure you don't broker the wrong deals, really. Correct. And if you do, don't beat yourself up. Just move on, liquidate it, take your loss, and you do the next one. Yeah, okay, okay. Josh, you, you need you really need to, yeah, you really need to be resilient with you know when, when you know being a retailer in general. Um, it's it's not for the faint-hearted at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I I recall reading um um a, an article of sort or actually probably a video um where you said your your main warehouses were in Central Florida, but having had a look at your store. Looks that most of your products are now fulfilled by Amazon. Oh, they were all, yeah. When I say warehouse, and that warehouse is now closed, it's in Arizona, but when I say warehouse, I mean, you can't, you know, just to be fulfilled by Amazon doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have a warehouse. You know, I mean, I need 56,000 square feet to bring in my products, you know, and then ship them to Amazon and prep them correctly, right? So there's always a warehouse involved. That's what the warehouse that they were talking about on the article was, was just simply where my product gets delivered to. And it ultimately all goes to Amazon to be fulfilled by Amazon. Okay, okay, okay. So um, at, at 38 million, all your products are fulfilled by Amazon. 
99.9%. I mean, there's a time where Amazon blocks a product from FBA or, you know, you have a couple pieces and you just sell them quick or whatever, but yeah, 99% of them. Now, that's interesting because some, you know, some supply, some, some sellers um, have said that um, when they hit a certain threshold, they um, actually, I spoke to someone who, who's called, I think, Chad. Um, can't, can't quite remember his surname, but um, he he he's, he's a seller like you. And um, when he hit a certain threshold, he decided to bring warehouse in, you know, to his facilities. It's just fascinating that you do probably four times here what he does, and um, you're you're still fulfilling by Amazon. Okay. Oh yeah, no, you can't not fulfill by Amazon and be successful on the site unless you were to, honestly, you know, let me, let me tell you what, what is, you have to understand the model, right? Mm. You can't be f- self-fulfilled and be extremely successful on the site. It's not even really possible. I mean, even Wayfair, you know, pulled most of their SKUs off. Mm. You have to understand what, why Amazon's attractive to people, right? It's attractive because they can go on the website they can get it for free shipping and they can press one button once. That's what's attractive about Amazon. You can press two or you can press one. It depends. Now, sometimes right on the page, you just, you just hit the one click button once you found the product you want. Interesting. You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, um, and that's what's attractive about it. Prime mm-hmm. is what's attractive, mm-hmm. you know, and ranks are going to go crazy. I mean, better, but you will never see a top hundred item stay in the top 100, that's not prime. Show me one that's there for longer than a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ever. In it's, the history of this website. It's it's a game. You know, um, I read somewhere, um, well, there's an Amazon press release. They, they, they signed up a million prime users in a week last December. Um, they just pour a lot of fuel into marketing fuel into, and even product and development fuel into prime. Um, they they time the the drone videos um just before Christmas. Um, there's there's Prime Video. There, there's so many yeah. perks you get off the back of Prime. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, for eighty dollars, and, and it also created a side effect, an ancillary benefit, Amazon Web Services, which is now a seventy billion dollar valuation That's just funny. to use the server space. Right? I mean, it's brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant, just like Apple. I mean, it's like you know. It's amazing. Uh, Jeff, Jeff is a genius. Um, and yeah. I, I, I carried out some, some, cal- uh, I, I did some calculations, um, based on, um, rather than looking at the number of prime users in the U.S., um, comparing it to the population, it's best to compare it to households because I could use my, my wife's, you know, um, prime account if I wanted mm. to. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. And it was like 60%. Of U.S. about sixty percent of all U.S. households actually have a Prime account, which is just off. It's it's mind blowing um, as a stat. Okay, um, right. So so let's let's talk about. Um, do you have any uh, just to wrap things up with regards to the buy box and pricing and you know software and stuff like that? Do you have any repricing software you use? Do you, do you, do you use any tools in house? Um, I use a very basic repricer called App Eagle, and the reason is is I can't let my repricer think for me. Mm. You know what I mean? I. Um, I mean, I, I have to do my own thinking, right? Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't tell the repricer to do it because if the repricer does it and I say, I'm willing to go as low as 10 and as high as 30, right? Well, what if Amazon knows that repricer is there? So now we'll, we'll put their product as out of stock at 10, even though they're not even going to sell it, but mm-hmm. to trick my repricer to go down and it might be one unit 
whatever, that I'm now selling 3,000 units for $20 less a piece, which is $60,000, right, just because my re- I'm letting my repricer think. So I have to be active. I've actually created my own software recently that lets me know when I'm not in the buy box, so I don't have to tell, you know, the repricer, you know, as much information. But AppEagle is a very basic repricer. It works well. Sometimes they have hosting problems and, um, you know, they get really slow a couple times a year. And I just put up with it because, you know, it does the job. You know, it doesn't do too much or too little. And then I can do my thinking around it. Okay. So it's called AppEagle. That's what I use. Okay. okay. Right. Cool. Um, right. Um, do, do you have any sort of tips around reviews? Okay. So obviously there, there are two parts of your business. One is, um, the resale, um, from manufacturers where you, you know, you, you, you go to closeouts or, or you go to, to vendors and, and you buy, you know, their stuff and sell. Um, what's your take on reviews there, acquiring reviews? Do you bother with reviews or do you just jump on the bandwagon? No, I mean, I, I think it's important. Back then, I probably didn't bother. I mean, um, um, but I, I think it's extremely important, you know, to have, you know, the customer like it, you know, if they don't, and it's a lot of returns, you know, and, uh, you know, eventually it'll be hidden from search by Amazon if the review gets too low. You know, if you get down under two stars, Amazon will make it very hard to find that product for mm-hmm. consumers. Okay, okay. Okay, and then what about your review acquisition strategy for um, brands you sell or you own yourself? Well, what about my my brand strategy? You said no. Your how do you get reviews for for your products? You know the the products. Well, I make great buy. stuff and people love it. I mean, they just absolutely love it. You know, I mean, so I I, I was amazed. I was looking at one of my products and I couldn't believe it. The other day, I thought I might have had like three hundred reviews, and I looked and it was twelve hundred reviews, and I was like, holy shit, people really like this. You know. Okay. Okay. So you don't use any software because um, I've I've heard um, sellers who use like you know um, post sale software to 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 ask people to review, you know, um, like review oh. software, Amazon review software. No, I mean, I mean, I have a few friends that I'll have, you know, that'll buy buy a product from me, and I'll be like, can you buy that, you know, and you know, sometimes when it first comes out or whatever, they're like, hey, tell me what you think, you know, and they always they they, they love it, and they have to write if then that's the case that they they got the product, you know, for a review. But I don't think it's as important as what the what I don't I don't think it's as important as what the customer's searching for. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, it's nice to have you know a couple you know honest reviews, and some people it used to be bigger where you give away the free product to a couple people and you know they leave an, a review and Amazon's policy was they have to say that they got the product free for the review and oh I got this for you know review is my honest opinion uh, you know and they're not always you know five stars sometimes they're three or four they're telling you the truth but but um, I think ultimately people overrated that because a lot of Amazon you know seminars were saying this is the trick you know tons of reviews you need a million reviews and I so there was like this little rush it's like you get this like hot moment in the market, you know, this is hot, like a hot new song or something and everyone's talking about it. But I honestly think that, you know, what the consumer is uh, searching for is really more important. You know what I mean? Are you coming up there? I mean, do you have enough words in your description that Amazon's going to list you under that product, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know the product should speak for, for, for themselves rather than trying yeah, to... Yeah, and, and you have to, that's why I, mean, I think I come up first under everything I make is it's just, it, it's so exclusive directly what the cons- exactly what the consumer is looking for you know okay 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 let's be we're, we're going to proceed to the final segment of the show which is the evergreen you know um the, the evergreen questions are like a lightning round but prior to that i'd like to know um, a bit about your team what does your team look like now uh, a yagazin 
Well, I mean, the team is really, you know, King, I, I am in the process of discreating Yaguzan as an entity, really. You know what I mean? And it's, okay. I'm really trying to create, I mean, I have one company that really matters to me, and that's that's Kangaroo. And my team is amazing. And my team is in Atlanta right now showing our product to all the, the gift stores in the world, and they all are loving it, you know, and they're mm-hmm. just absolutely, you know, love what we make, you know, and then, um, you know, I have a really great, you know, um, R and D guy, uh, that's a great physicist and just a genius. And I have a really great billing guy and I have a really great sourcing people and I have an employee in China and I have a, you know, really amazing people around me, you know, Yahoo's on itself just has, you know, some warehouse employees, you know, um, in, in, they, they send stuff to Amazon and that's what their job is. But, but really my team is centered around my kangaroo company now. Okay. So with regards to, 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 to kangaroo, it just, it sounds, yeah, it's, it's, it's a core now. It's, it's a core. It's, it's where you're going, um, with, with, with the business. Okay. 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 Um, right. Do you, do you hire any agencies or are you, it's it's pretty much your team. Everything is centered around your team. No, I mean we have a couple. We outsource. We we're outsourcing some design to a few people, and um, uh, you know, and uh, but it, I don't I don't you know it, it never get nearly as good service. Like I have an art department with five people in it, and if they get really really busy, then yeah, you know I'll out you know I'll outsource it to uh, okay. um, to a little bit. Of work to them. Yeah. But. I, I lost my, my chain of thought a moment ago. What I intended to actually ask you was it sounds like Kangaroo is going, seems to be going out of the Amazon ecosystem and you're actually seeking distribution from other channels like other retail. Well, that is true to a degree. But that is true. But at the same time, I mean, I, I kill it on Amazon. Like one of my favorite toys is Christmas. If you search Amazon for toy food, right? I come up number one out of whatever thousands of things. I make a beautiful set. You know, I found out from my factory that after, you know, um, uh, about two weeks of it being on the market, right? Um, that some people were buying it, sending it to the factories in China. And my factory actually got it. Can you make me this exact item? So somebody thought that if they made the same item that I made, you know, um, and then they were originally trying to counterfeit it. And we told the factories, like, you cannot counterfeit our brand. You know what I mean? And we see a seller sell with our brand on it. We'll sue them in a second. Like, you know, we won't do business with your factory, right? And then, like, okay, we'll make a different package for them. They have to have their own UPC. We understand, blah, blah, blah. So, well, you can't. We're still taking our business elsewhere. But the, the, the reason I tell you the story is, is that they can make the same exact thing as me. But it doesn't matter. I mean, I have 167 five-star reviews. I'm number one. And why, what, you know what, what's special about it and why? Why? If you look at everybody else that's doing these big ones and you look down here, you see this kid craft one about in the number five spot, they're offering 105 pieces. So when I noticed that there was a lot of demand for pretend and play food, the first thing I wanted to do, right, was give them better than what was already there. So the best one on the market I saw was, I saw step two offered 101 pieces and kid craft offered 105 pieces. So the first thing I did was I said, I'm going to stay at the same price point, but I'm going to give 120 pieces. I'm going to give more, you know? So, I mean, I love that revenue. I mean, I sold out my, my entire PO in two weeks of Christmas. Of course I love that Amazon, you know, aspect of the business but yeah why not sell it to um you know walmart target and everybody else too right i mean once you own the brand why not why not i agree with you for sure i mean that's what the 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 walmarts do anyway they you know they, they'd sell their brand side by side you know uh, 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 yeah a exactly brand, so. 
and it all depends on affordability, really. Okay, now um, let's move into. So, by the way, before we move into the lightning round, how how was your Christmas? Um, how was how how was, was last Christmas? It was good. My Halloween, I actually broke an all-time record. I did ten million in one month, which was I don't oh. think um, <laughs> Amazon seller ever did ten million in the month of October since the company's been congrats um, uh, around. Well, well done. I'm very privileged to speaking with you. Right now, so this is the evergreen question section, and it's a lightning round. I would ask a question, and if you could use a just a sentence or two to answer it, it'd be great. Brilliant. Okay. okay. So, um, what are your future plans? My future plans are to create the largest manufacturing company in the world, streamline manufacturing, to be the next Apple. Um, maybe create the first flying car, maybe the first robot that thinks and breathes. I don't know, but it's going to be much bigger than hustling product than Amazon. Wall domination. Okay, right. How do you hire people? <laughs> How do you hire people? How do I hire people? Yeah. Well, I like to see what they can give. I, I know I, I give a lot. So when I meet people, a lot of times they're all talking about, you know, what they want. We just interviewed a guy from Texas. So all he talked about was how many weeks vacation, where he wanted to travel, that he wanted plane tickets for his kids to come visit every weekend, that he wanted weekends off, that he wanted um, this much money, and he wanted this, this for insurance, and he wanted a, a, an apartment, and he wanted a, a vehicle. And then I said, are you going to do anything? Or just, you know what I mean? Like, it was like that. So I look to people that, that they talk about all they want to do is what they can give. Cause I know I'll give to them. I know I'll take care of them. I've, I've done surprise bonuses from 10 to a hundred thousand dollars to employees before, you know, because I know I can do that. The question is, is are they prepared to commit and give, or are they using me as a job or me as a career and a family that they want to be part of. So me and David, who is my partner in crime here and my executive director, um, really go out and look for those types of people that can breathe, breathe the company and, and its mission. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. What are your three indispensable tools for managing um, kangaroo? I'm not going to talk about Yakuza now. What are my tools to manage kangaroo? Your three indispensable tools. So what tools, yeah, your three indispensable tools for managing. You talking about inventory management, like software no, and stuff? No, or? no, I mean like tech. Um, so what What kind of software or it could be your phone, it could be, a, it could be your email, it could be... No, I mean, we have a software called Fishbowl. We also use our basic QuickBooks, you know what I mean? So we, you know, able to manage our inventory, see what's on the water, see what's coming, look at our receivables and our inventory at the same time. I mean, just like a, a regular company, at some point, I think we're going to develop something much more sophisticated um, once we're, um, uh, you know, we're, we're a little bit bigger. You know, maybe a lot of companies, you know, have their own software developed. For the, I won't go to an Oracle or something like that. I'll have my own guy who graduated at the top of Yale to make it. You know, he makes me software in two seconds when I ask him. It's like, boom, like four minutes later. And I'm like, wow, how did you do that? I've been trying to get that for five years, you know? Okay. <laughs> what's, what's been your best mistake to date by that? I mean, a setback that's given you the, the biggest feedback. Hmm. You mean within the business? Um, yeah. In the context of our discussion so far. I mean, well, it wasn't my mistake. My vice president of Yaguzan died um, in um, in March, and um, uh, he I actually hired him from Amazon. He was a top employee over there, and uh, you know, and it was horrible how it happened too. Because I mean, he was diabetic, and he just you know, I found his body in my house, and that was a big setback earlier in the in the year um, for me, and I wasn't able to. Um, I, I just became a little bit more destructive and a little bit less, you know, thoughtful about the way I did business for the summer, you know, and I got serious again in j late July, early August, but I took about four months of screwing off. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
That's, so. that's, uh, that was, I'm so sorry to hear that tragedy. Okay. What's one piece, one, just one piece of advice you can give Amazon e-tailers keen on 2X in or 3X in the Amazon sales? I mean, if they're just looking at 2X and 3X in Amazon sales, they only have to pay attention to demand. But if they want to make a ton of money, don't, I, my advice is do not, just like a like a woman, you wouldn't marry her, you know, before you slept with her, before you took her to dinner. Don't get into buying product until you <laughs> you know intimately that product. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Know it. Know its story. Know where it is. You know, know how much is out there. You know, first you want to know your demand, but after that, know all that other detail so you can determine a hundred percent profit, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, if you meet a woman, you find out she killed her ex husband, you might consider not going on a second date with her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people don't ask those questions, did you kill your ex husband? No, they just go buy it, you know, and, and find out because a lot of those products killed their ex husband. Let me tell you that. And you're gonna find that out once they land at Amazon fulfillment center. <laughs> true, true, true. Okay, final question is if you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building a business or growth, which would it be? It wouldn't be a business book. My greatest book ever was Illusions by Richard Bach. You know, I mean, I think it's the, I mean, it just shows that everything is really, you know, from the mind energy. I mean, every, everything is really the mind and you can mend, mend the physical universe with a, a change in thought patterns. So, I mean, I, I, I would say that's probably my favorite book of all time was Illusions. Okay, fantastic. Illusions, okay, by Richard Bach. Okay, fine. Um, right, okay, so um, how can um, listeners, if they, they wanted to get in touch with you, um, how, how can they, you know, get, get in touch? Are you on social media um, or, you know, what's Yeah, we have a YouTube? Facebook group okay. and stuff like that. You know, there's the, you know, um, uh, there's the Yagus on Facebook. I get all those messages and stuff like that. And uh, I think we have one for Penny Supply Adam too, maybe even Kangaroo now, so. Mm, okay, okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure having you on the show, Justin. Um, thank you for sharing your thank thoughts you on, on, on Amazon, you know, on, on, your Amazon, on your Amazon journey. And um, best of luck with Kangaroo. It looks like it's doing fantastically well. I trust you. And um, cheers to world domination. <laughs> thank you so much, Conley. I appreciate it. Right, cheers. Thanks, you have a good one. Thank you, thank you guys for sticking to the very end of today's episode and hope you found Justin's story from growing his business from $50 to $38 million inspiring. He he shed a lot of golden nuggets in, in this show and, you know, I hope you, you take, you know, some of his insights and um, you make them actionable and um, you, that they were helpful. You, you just take action. That's a key thing about this um, show. Um, it's not just about listening and listening and listening, but you know, even if it's one thing you, you hear, you know, one action, one thing that inspires you, I want you to take action and, and let me know um, on, on Twitter as to how you've taken that action. Just drop me a line on Twitter. Just Google me. You'd find me on Twitter. It's Kone T. Campbell at Twitter and let me know that you've taken action. I mean, what he shared, there's so many tips he, he shared here. I'm going to sort of outline every single, um, every single point is, is kind of made in the show notes. Uh, I'll outline it in a blog post and you can either listen to the transcript on a non-verbatim word for word um, um on a word forward basis if you want, or we'll summarize every single key point he made. Um, 
until the next show, um, you know, just you guys take action, okay? Um, for updates on on how to grow your store and tips, you know, just remember to sign on to 2xecommerce.com. And until the next show, see you guys later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X E-Commerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com.